I want to talk to you today about a lesson on the talents. And before I go to Matthew 25, I'm going to ask you to turn there with me. Uh, I want to remind us that the context of this, as I understand it, is Jesus has just finished his Olivet Discourse. Matthew 24 deals with the end times. And so in Matthew 25, he gives a couple, three parables that teach a spiritual truth, though they're not historical. That's what a parable is. It's not historical, but it's true. That's what Jesus does a lot of, so that we can understand it. But in this situation, I want us to see that Jesus is preparing his people, his church, for his leaving this earth. And he's reminding us that he is coming back. And while he was gone, he's gone, he expects us to take a certain position or practice a certain position, namely to be faithful with what he's given us. That is eternal life and the grace that we so desperately need to live every day by. The thing is, we're going to be accountable to Jesus. When he comes back, that's the first thing he's going to look for. We're going to see that in a few minutes. That is, what have we done with what he's given us? We need to understand, too, before we read this together, in the scriptures, in the New Testament, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus addresses here, is of twofold. One is an intrinsic, internal, invisible kingdom of heaven. Like the Bible says, the kingdom of God is within you. We understand that because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Then, secondly, there's a, a visible outside kingdom of God where people have the same privileges and, and opportunities and sort of wear the same hats, but they're not all the same inwardly. Namely, what it means is there are people that are in the church that are not of the church. There are people that are members of the church that are not Christians, that are not born again. It's kind of like the analogy Jesus gives in another place of the tares and the wheat. He said, just let them grow together. One day, though, there will be a separation. God will be the one to do that. So I guess I want to deal with this today from an aspect of something that's very sobering in my view because I think how much of God's grace I've wasted, how lazy my nature is sometimes, and I think we can all relate to that sometimes. And it's awful discouraging, but it's also very liberating when we look at the fact that God doesn't give everybody the same abilities, the same capabilities. He does not. The scriptures will teach us that, I hope. And so, a lot of times, what's been liberating to me in studying this, I'm sometimes quick to judge somebody and say, well, you know, they're not doing this or that. But all the time, they might not been have given that grace in that particular area. And actually, God, in the end times, when he comes again, may tell them first, well done. 
that faithful servant. So it's kind of liberating that we don't have to have envy and jealousy and we don't have to be bogged down with our failures and our seemingly inabilities to do what we would like to do and as we see others seemingly doing more in God's kingdom. I believe that all of you love the Lord and that you appreciate being in His kingdom. And so I pray this lesson will be good for us all. I've entitled it, Responding to Responsibility. Responsibility is so important when we think about what God has entrusted us with as stewards in His amazing, gracious kingdom. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and let's read the account of the lessons on the talents. Sort of a lengthy reading, as you know, but I pray the Holy Spirit will keep our minds on it and don't let it wander away to something going on somewhere else or whatever, because this is the words of Jesus, holy and inspired they are. We're going to begin at verse 14 of Matthew 25. In my Bible, it's in red. So that tells me it's the very words of our Lord. Here's what he says. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And also, that had received, or he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not known and, or sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto them, him which hath ten talents. For unto one, or every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not, 
shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I hope you've noticed so far in the, in the characters of this parable that the master is Jesus, okay? He is the master. And the servants are actually the Greek for servants, the doublos here is actually slaves. Do you realize that God's people are Christ's slaves? We don't like that term so much, but we ought to rejoice in it. You see, Jesus has bought us with his blood. His amazing grace is kind of like chains that beckon us to him. When we sin, it convinces us of our sin, and his love never lets us go. We have the mark of the Lord, the Old Testament slave that wanted to stay with their masters, bored in our ear, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to rejoice in it. So all these Three, Christ is the master, and then we have three slaves, three servants. And he's entrusting all three of them with something. Now there's a big difference in two of them and the one. Two of the servants are faithful. Two of the servants are responsible and have took it a great joy to do whatever God's called them to do with what he's given them to do it with. They don't seem to be envious. The one with the two doesn't say, well, why didn't you give me five? They are just rather saying, you know what? I'm going to serve God because he loved me so much. He's given me life. There is a third servant here who is not a child of God. How do I know that? He calls the master wicked. He doesn't know the Lord. Eternal life is knowing the Lord Jesus. You know what? We may sin and, and we may fall short and lots of times we do. But we know God. And we know God is not pleased with it. And we don't have to be reintroduced to it. And then furthermore, Jesus says to this slave, this one, he said, you wicked servant. Even though tell a child of God, that kind of language. He would never say, depart from me into outer darkness, which really is hell. So we see this. This is very sobering, is it not? But this is the kingdom, God, the outward kingdom. And so we see that, and we can't judge that necessarily in ourselves. But in our heart, we ought to be able to say, God, I don't want to waste another day of your grace. I don't want to, Lord, not do what you call me to do. I don't want to be wimpy. I don't want to be complaining about what I don't have. Oh, God, cultivate contentment in my heart. So what God has given and what we see here is he's given these slaves, these servants, uh, his goods. You know, I was reading and, uh, about slaves in this time. Oftentimes, according to the source I was reading, slaves had more education than the master. Now, I don't imply that to me you and me and you in Christ, that level. But, but in the literal point, or in the historical point, slaves were, were, were people that had a lot of ability. And, and they were often left with the goods of their master when he went out of town. And so he was to make business decisions and, and to work and to, 
uh, he was kind of like the CEO of his estate, maybe, you know, making decisions. And it's kind of like that here. And, and so the, the master the, uh, is leaving and he's going on a journey. Now that's Jesus uh, ascending, going to the Father. But now he's coming back. We don't know when that is, but he's going to do it. And we have certain signs of, of that being closer than ever, don't we? We do. The deal is, no matter when it is, while we wait, we need to wait patiently, expectantly, but we also need to wait working as we see the great need of serving grace. You know, saving grace is serving grace. It is. And the devil likes to discourage us and make us think that we're not worthy, that we're not worthy to serve the Lord. And so I want us to see that and, and ask God to help us understand it. I want to say three things from this text regarding the topic from this of responsing or responding to responsibility. I guess I want us to look at our own hearts today and say, why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for someone else? Are you doing it for Jesus? That makes all the difference in the world. And so as we see this right here, I want to say three things. One, I want us to see that we have an obligation. We have an obligation to serve the Lord Jesus in his kingdom. We have an obligation because grace obligates us. We have an obligation because everything we have comes from God. You understand that? Everything you have comes from God. All your abilities, all your uh, uh, assets, all that you've accumulated, both materially and spiritually, all come from God. We need to be reminded that there's nothing that we have that is not God. The only thing, let me qualify that, that we have that is not from God is our sins. <laughs> now we got those. But, but even Jesus took those away on the cross. By faith we trust in him. So we ought to see, you know, I'm obligated to do what God has called me to do. To live my life for his glory. Don't you think that, that we, we see Jesus as the one who died for us on the cross that he gave his life for us. What in the world would keep us from feeling obligated? Now, I'm not talking about doing something to get in the kingdom. These two slaves are in the kingdom. See, it's what you do because God has done something to you. That's what I'm talking about. We need to feel obligated to serve the Lord. We need to feel obligated to work and serve and humbly come before him, understanding that all things come from you. God says in Romans 11, verse 36, he says, all things are of him, and through him, and for him, and to him be the glory. All things. We need to rejoice in that, and we need to be mindful of that, that all things come from God. Everything we have, yes it does, grace obligates us. You know why? Because we're just tenants. We're borrowed. Everything we have, borrowed from God. We don't have anything without Him. 
You go home and look around and you thank God for all he's done and all he's doing. What a blessing it is. You know, if you, bought, if you loaned me your car or truck, and you said, Brother Randy, just take it. You need it, use it. I, I tell you what, the way I'd be with it, and I know you would be, well, if I did it to you, I couldn't wait to get it back to you. I would be so careful with that car. I would make sure it was washed. I would be careful where I drove it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I've had experiences in my, in my life where I borrowed something from somebody. I couldn't wait till I got it back. Why? Because I felt obligated. Well, you know, think about your life like that from God. God has given you life. God has brought you into this world. God has a purpose for you. And just like this master, he gives you and me everything we need to do what he's called us to do. That he doesn't give everybody the same thing. Everybody is not equal. You know, we might say that in our Constitution. It might be as far as freedom, but as far as abilities, it's not that way. God doesn't create everything. God likes a lot of variety. I don't know why, but there's people that don't have the same ability as others. And I'm thankful that they're like that, aren't you? I am. But I'm going to tell you this. God is the great giver. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above and uh, from God. The Father of lights, he's called. Where there's no veritableness or shadow in turning. It's a gift from God. And so this master this, in this account is giving these servants all his goods. Giving it to them and leaving and saying, Now you occupy till I come. That's what we're in. That's the position of the Christian in the world today. God says, you occupy till I come. Doesn't matter if we have to deal with COVID. Doesn't matter if we deal with cancer or loss or sin or situations or circumstances. That doesn't change. What God is going to be looking for is what we did with what we have. What are you doing with what God has given you? And actually, God has given you anything. Everything. We have all things through Christ. We do. The deal is, and it's shown here, some people have a lot. Some people have a little. But I'm guaranteeing you this. Everybody has enough. Enough. That is what God is about. God is enough. And we need to go out of here thinking, thank you, God, that you are enough. And he is. And we see this. And so we see that grace obligates us. And we need to be thankful that, that it does. You know, uh, we, I think we found, I know I've fought falling into this in, in our society. You know, we don't, we kind of get in the way from the mindset in our culture of you work. Now, I'm talking, I'm talking outside the spiritual kingdom, but, but you know, you work for something. Uh, because as we kind of being molded into a socialism kind of mindset, a worldview, what that does, it takes away responsibility. It does. So you send everybody a stimulus check. What do you think that's going to do? Is that going to make people more responsible? It's going to make people more responsible. It's going to make them say, when is the next one coming? They'll spend more time looking at the mailbox than they will reading God's Bible. Why? Because there's no responsibility with that. When can I get my next check? 
What are you going to do with that? Well, I might buy me a four-wheeler, okay? I'm going to take a trip. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. But you see, responsibility, because they don't feel obligated. Now, I know that everybody in this church, I know that you're going to, that you're going to uh, give to, to the choices of the heart as God leads your heart. And I believe you good. I've seen this church before. You are giving people of God. You know why you are? Because you feel responsible. Because you know how much God has given you. And so when, when Allison invites us or gives us that privilege, we respond to that. Now, if Allison had got up here and said, please forgive me, Allison, but if she just said, you know, this is this organization, this is what we do, and really, you're obligated to give it. Your money needs to go to this. You're obligated to do it. You wouldn't go. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't give. But we do it freely, you see, because we understand that God has given us that. And so we think about that and we say, oh God, thank you so much for giving us the responsibility. Now we all have a responsibility. Whatever your lot in life is, you have a purpose. Whether that's a lot, something, this one, this guy had five talents. One had only two. But the deal was not the difference in the talents, the deal with each servant's or slave's faithfulness, their attitude, their humbleness. And you know, the, the servant that said, Lord, uh, here's, I, I've got, I made five more. He wasn't boasting. He just was sharing that joy because he said, you know, it's not mine anyway, oh God. It's not. It's yours. And the two, and they said the same thing. They were excited because they had this privilege of, of working out the responsibility that God's grace gives us. What I want you to see with me, if God would help us, is that grace is free. It's unmerited. And God has given it to us. And so then it comes a responsibility that we need to grow in grace, that we do not need to waste it. And we need to bless God in it and forever walk humbly with him. To do, do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God, according to Micah 6 So we see that grace obligates us. Secondly, I want you to see the opportunity that, that was given to these, all three of these slaves. The opportunity. You know, when I think of how many opportunities I've missed. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we get so discouraged because we don't remember or we don't think that God, when he closes a door, opens a, another door. And we get so bogged down in focusing on the closed door that we don't see the open one. So we miss an opportunity. Or we don't think an opportunity is there because it looks like a problem. I'm here to tell you, that's where opportunities come. Opportunities look a lot like problems. And so we need to see that and grasp that in our lives. And what a blessing it is that we see that. Why do you think Jesus would tell us in the Sermon on the Mount, let your lights shine. Let your lights so shine. Why? So that others may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
The abilities of the grace that God has given you is not to prompt you. See, the church is not a talent show. No, no. The church is a place where the grace of God is displayed. And so we see this opportunity. And it's not based on whether you can preach or whether you can teach or whether you can pray out loud in public or whether you can uh, sing or whatever. What it's based on is your attitude of saying this is an opportunity to be all that God has enabled me to do. I'm willing, God, to present my body a living sacrifice to you. However less talent you give me, I'm not going to envy my brother who has ten talents. Rather, I'm going to say, oh God, may your kingdom be promoted in every way. You see how this lesson liberates us, or it ought to, and helps us be content, and we pray that it wouldn't cause us to miss opportunities uh, that God gives us. There won't be ideal circumstances. You know, the two talents and the one here would, you know, would create some sort of discouragement. We have a tendency to look around at others, don't we? We do. But you know, we ought not to do that because it's God that gives us. I've asked you to do this before. I want to ask you to just take your finger and do that to one another in the congregation. Would you do it? You mind? I'm just, okay. I want you to, when you got it pointed, you know what that means? To me, you got one pointing up. That's God. You give me everything. Everything I need, oh God. I need you, Lord, and one day I'm going to stand before your throne and I'm going to be lacking. And you're going to be lacking. But Christ is going to complete us. Because I'm going to tell you, standing before the throne of God to give an account for even every idle word could get really, really ugly. Except Jesus Christ will be our advocate. Except Jesus will be there to take up where we left off. Yes, our works according to 1 Corinthians 3 will be tried, but the foundation is there for every believer. And even though the fire can burn the wood and the stubble, he says, yet you will be saved. That is the difference. That's why we're obligated by grace to serve God. What, what did it mean? So we got one pouring up to God. We got three pointing back at me which tells me that I've three times more reason to understand you, to love you, to forgive you, to help you. I've three reasons because I know how weak I am and I know that I've failed and I know that I, I, I need that God's grace. And then that one finger is, I want to help you if I can, <laughs> but nevertheless, the impact is there. That Two-talent servant didn't point his finger and say, well, you know, that, that guy's got, got more talent than me or got more responsibility. We can't ever say that. You know, Jesus tells Peter, Peter had that problem. God's people have this issue, you know, we still got some flesh to fool around with. But, but Peter said, what becomes of this man? He's talking about John. He said, what's, what's he going to do? And Jesus says, you remember, you follow me, talking to Peter. You follow me. So you see the opportunities. See, the thing about opportunities, you know, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about things in your daily life. I'm not talking about you don't have to go to a conference somewhere or, 
or, uh, uh, you know, get involved in some sort of special ministry. It's okay to do that. I'm doing it every day in your life, right in your home, with your children. You take every opportunity to, to promote the kingdom of God. In your workplace, you have an attitude that whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. Because what's happening, you're taking the opportunity to then say that God is more important. What it is, really, when we see the responsibility of grace in our life, we see the opportunity to reach out and, and actually practice unconditional love and to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what these two were doing, I believe. They, they just said, this is the Lord's goods. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do and with what God has given me the ability to do it with. And what a blessing. So what opportunities do? You know, they'll either, if we don't take them, and I, I've sadly experienced this, either you take an opportunity or it's going to disappear. It's going to multiply or it's going to disappear. That applies to the church. That applies to your life. When you take the opportunity and God puts them in your life every day, whether that's just a prayer that God prompts you to pray or a Bible reading that you do in your personal study or just saying hello to your neighbor or visiting somebody, whatever it might be, it is, it is, it is an opportunity that multiplies. Have you not seen the blessings of God when you go visit maybe somebody in the nursing home when we could or the hospital? And you've asked God to bless you and give you things to say, and you end up getting blessed. What happens is the opportunity multiplies the grace of God in your life. Thirdly and quickly, it's just flat obedience. See these two slaves, the first two, they built their life on foundation. This is what God told them to do. This is what the master said. You you take these goods and you occupy. That's what he's implying. And they did that. And they trusted their master. And they were willing to take a, a calculated risk, if you will, to say this is going to be for God's glory and for his way. And what a blessing that is. But thirdly, just obedience again. Obedience. And we can do that because everything we have comes from God and that we're God's. And God gives us the ability to do it. So when we feel discouraged, that is not an uncommon temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation that, but that has taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who with the temptation also provides a way of escape. So there's a lot of temptation to take something from God and not be responsible for it. The world will try to give us things. Satan tried to give Jesus, remember in Matthew 4? You remember he said, well, if you're hungry, just turn these stones into bread. That would not bring out the responsibility of an obedient Savior promoting his Father's kingdom, as he was called to do, and that he did. And then you remember Satan said, well, I'll tell you what, if you who you say you are, just throw yourself down and God's angels will take care of you. 
See, that, that is not being responsible. It's not. And then, and then he says, lastly, he says to, to Jesus, well, I'll give you the world. I'll give you these cities. Look over here, this pinnacle of all these great cities. I'll give them to you if you worship me. I'm going to tell you this. If you worship the devil, you will lose everything. You will lose everything. He will take you to the lowest hell and be glad to do it. But when you give yourself to God, and God gives us that capability by his amazing grace, and that's the only way we come out there, we thank him for it, and we bless him. And you know what it, it causes us? You know, I'm, I'm closing now, but it's amazing to me, these first two, the one that had the two and the five. First of all, I want to see no difference in how God saw that. There's no difference in how God sees our lives. You know, for some reason, we've got to think we've got to measure up to everybody. What we need to measure up with is God and what he's called us to do and how he's called us to live and how he's called us to promote his kingdom in whatever way we can. But he says this. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, that's the words we all want to hear, isn't it? It is. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. But listen, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Isn't that amazing? Joy. That's living a life. You know, I've got a lot of regrets in my life. I suppose you have some. And that's the kind of thing that can steal your joy. There's a lots of situations that I wish I could change. Nevertheless, when I do with what God has given me, and you do with what God has given you, you know what? We can look at those regrets, and we can rejoice, and we can say, God, I have them, but you have completed them. You, Lord, have taken up where I could not go. And that is joy. Enter into the joy of his kingdom. See, that is what obedience does. It's not that we're obeying God to get a feather in our cap, though the rewards are there. It's what happens when God gives us the responsibility, and even more responsibility. And I believe we'll see that in heaven. I believe in the millennial. I believe that, that believers, our responsibility on earth, will all be equal in eternal life, equal in, in our perfection, equal in Christ's likeness, but we'll have different varieties. Heaven will not be a boring place. It'll be the most glorious place that could ever be. And it will be people, God's people, sharing the uh, capabilities, the abilities, the things that they've been faithful to. He does complete us. So, you know, may the Lord bless us. And, you know, even in the obedience, it's worth it all. Luke 17, 10 says, even after we've done all, everything, you know what he says? We're still unprofitable servants. All of us are. We've only done what God has required us to do. See, that shows us we're not getting to heaven by works. We're there by God's grace. And that should obligate us to live for him who died for us to respond to him and to respond to life in a way that would show the confidence and the trust in him 
that he can bless us and that he can bring good out of everything that even appears evil. And you know what? God has given you the ability to, to come out and rejoice in the midst of your heartbreak. That's a talent. You might, you know, that's comforting. Exhortation might be one of those talents God has given you. Whatever it is, may the Lord bless us to see that and rejoice in Him. Would you bow with me for a closing prayer? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank You for all You've given us. We ask You to forgive us for what we've wasted so far. But Lord, help us now to be prompted by Your Spirit to not be negligent any more than we have to be in this life to feel that obligation to be responsible for the grace that you've given us. To feel like, oh God, these opportunities, even though they appear to be hurtful and, and ugly and unsettling to our very minds, yet, God, we know that you have not left us nor forsaken. And Lord, we pray that we'll use this opportunity to even let the light that you've given us shine brighter in the darkness that's around us. Help us, Lord, never to cover these lights up with our sadness and, and discouragement and our pity because we don't have what somebody else has got. Rather, to thank you, Lord, that you've made us like we are and that you've given us the resolve to practice the grace that you've given us so that we could be more like Jesus. Shape us and mold us. And we know you're doing that, and we're so thankful, God, that you are. And Lord, we pray that we'd be obedient servants. We know that we, Lord, can't obligate you. We don't deserve anything. But, but we're obligated because you've given, given us everything. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.